0: Well, hello there, future fans! This is episode 41, and this episode marks the beginning of blockbuster season. This week we have a few documentaries, we have an interesting assortment of dramas, and of course, our weekly blockbuster. It's the week of May 5th, and this is Future Flicks with Billiam. right ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show let's start this off like we always do with a little bit of information about the show like i said this is future Flix. i am your host billiam and so here's what i do just in case you're new on future Flix, i go over every movie that's being released during the week i tell you what it's about who's in it and my thoughts on it I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie, but let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube... Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the somewhat nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter, at BilliamSWN, email me at reviews at gmail.com, and look at pictures of my cat on Instagram, swn there as well. Promise I do more than my cat, but I'm, I'm really bad at Instagram. I'm trying to get better, I promise. So if you're new, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget to hit that like button if you are listening on YouTube, Reblog, if you are listening on Tumblr. And please give me a comment and give me a review on iTunes. I would appreciate five stars. We're looking for five star ratings here. And if you are not new, welcome back. It's good to see you. Let's move on to our first segment, which as always is the news. Actor Michael Mantenuto died at the age of 35. He was only in three movies, but one of them was a 2004 Disney movie Miracle. So I mention this because some people may know who this gentleman is. I mean, it's a real shame that someone so young, he's only two years older than me, and he died. And th- that's a real sobering thought. In news that would make Snarf Chris from somewhat nerdy radio Papa chub, The movie, based on the He-Man cartoon called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, is getting a movie adaptation from Sony. Director Mick G has left, so a director is being sought out, but they have writer David S. Goyer, one of the writers on the Dark Knight trilogy and Batman v Superman. The Dark Knight part interests me, but what scares me is that he was also a writer on Batman v Superman, so what I heard regarding that movie was that the movie was sh** before Ben Affleck got on board and then gave it a rewrite. So hopefully the stuff Goyer did on Batman v Superman was good, just like the Dark Knight series was good. Tremors 6, that's right, the series is still going. Tremors 6 now has a release date. The sequel to the wonderfully campy horror franchise starring Michael Gross will come out on January 30th, 2018. I bet you Roz from Roz's Midnight Macabre has already marked his calendar, but this won't be getting a theatrical release. Could you tell that there's shock in my voice? There's there's no shock. It's, it, this was never getting a theatrical release. Fate of the Furious now has topped the $1 billion mark and is still in first place, and interestingly enough, How to Be a Latin Lover and Bahubali 2, the conclusion from last week, came in second and third place respectively. My picks for last week, The Circle and Slight, came in at fourth place and 14th place respectively. More news from Jon Favreau, he announced that Disney's live-action Lion King is set for a July 19th, 2019 release date. Also announced, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are set to play the iconic Timon and Pumbaa. So the article I read said play, but I do believe they mean voice acting, because I have a feeling this is going to be a crossover of a Disney nature movie and a live-action Disney movie. Jeff Goldblum is set to star in the Jurassic World sequel, which is reported to have a submarine scene. Yay! Good. I bet you this is going to be a lot like the underwater scene in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, so we'll see how much it copies that. Speaking of man crushes, Ewan McGregor has been cast as the star of a Disney movie called Christopher Robin. If you recognize that name but can't quite place it, this movie is about a grown-up Christopher Robin from the world of Winnie the Pooh. That's it for the news, and let's step into the trailer trove. (laughs) I still don't have intro music for this. It's, uh... Shouldn't be that hard to work on, but apparently for me it's hard, because I, I can't find the time. I lied, I had the time, but I just bought a PS4 and I've been playing Mass Effect Andromeda. Remember that all the links for the trailers I mentioned in the trailer trove will be in the show notes, but first we have an actual trailer for Cars 3. This trailer is making the movie look better and better. The trailer I saw, the one I'm going to link in the show notes, looks like it's this is either going to be Rocky five or Rocky Balboa. What do I mean by that? Looks like Lightning McQueen is going to take a hit and has to come back to beat a newer, younger car. I borrowed this comparison from YouTuber Philip DeFranco, because I'm not that original. The prologue to Alien Covenant is out, and it gives us a very brief taste of what happens after Prometheus. I wonder what would have happened if Charlize Theron's character decided to run right or left instead of staying in the f- path of the alien ship rolling towards her, that dumb but yeah, no Charlize Theron in this prologue, just Michael Fassbender and Noomi Rapace. We got a trailer for a movie called Once Upon a Time in Venice, and it looks like they want to make Red 3, but then saw Keanu and got a wicked boner. This time it's Bruce Willis and John Goodman that have to get a dog back from a drug dealer. It looks pretty stupid. It's going to be great, hopefully. 127 Hours and Jaws had a baby. They named their bundle of joy 47 Meters Down. Check out the trailer for this Mandy Moore Shark movie. Finally, the trailer for an indie horror called It Comes at Night. This one doesn't look as bad as the Babadook or It Follows as far as indie movies go. Okay, mind you, those trailers looked good. It was just the movies that were disappointing. But this one looks promising, so we'll see how it goes. And that's it for the trailer trove. And today in history, and this isn't going to be segment. I just, I just read this earlier. <laughs> actually not to, uh, technically today in, in history because this is the day i'm recording it the battle of hogwarts was on may 2nd 1998 do you remember where you were i believe i was a sophomore in high school at that time well anyway folks let's get on to the movies of the week the first movie is a controversial one called three generations ray is a transgender male born in a female body Ray's mother and grandmother must come to terms with the decision while helping him with the decision and finding Ray's biological father to get the legal consent needed. This stars Ellie Fanning from Neon Demon, Naomi Watts from St. Vincent, and Susan Sarandon from Feud. Do you want to know why I started with this episode? Do you want to know why I started this episode with this movie? Just to get it out of the way. After I watched the trailer, I decided to do something stupid. And I looked at the YouTube comments because I wanted to remind myself that humans are garbage. Okay, not all humans, just, just YouTube commenters are garbage. There were two groups of people in the comments section. Group A were the ones flinging sexist slurs and calling the movie liberal BS. The second group is the one I'm all too familiar with, the social justice warriors. Mm, gotta Gotta hate them. I'm just going to touch on this oh so briefly because I've already talked about this before in the podcast. The Social Justice Warriors are angry that a transgendered person wasn't picked to play the role of Rey. It's called acting, you morons. Just because there are trans actors doesn't mean they were right for the role. Why was Ellie Fanning picked for this? Why was Jared Leto picked for Dallas Buyers Club? Maybe because they're fantastic actors. Calm yourselves. All right, let's, let's get back to the movie at hand. This is another topical movie. Like last week had Below Her Mouth, this week we had Three Generations. More and more movies are talking about LGBTQ rights. So a movie about a kid who wants to get their gender reassigned, there are few things more topical than that. The problem is, this looks boring. It looks like a forced plot that isn't allowed to flow naturally. You have a lesbian grandmother who can't wrap her head around being trans. She keeps on saying, "Why can't she just be lesbian?" You should know it's not a choice. This all makes me think that the writing of this movie is going to be very sloppy. Susan Sarandon's character is gay, so she should know that there's no choice involved in this. But she keeps on saying, she keeps on saying, "Why can't you just be lesbian?" Or are you sure you're not lesbian? Yeah, she's sure. Or i'm sorry he's sure and what bothers me about that has nothing to do with it being pete not pc that does not matter to me what matters to me is it's bad writing so let's get back on topic you have the lesbian grandmother who can't wrap her head around someone being trans you have the mom who's trying to deal with her daughter wanting to be a boy and you have ray who's trying to deal with all of it from what i've read about this movie it's actually more about the mother then about Ray. Ray is just a major side note, but it's still a side note. Some people loved this movie. Some people hated it because it felt like people were cashing in on a hot-button topic. And I agree. I think that's exactly what it is. This looks boring and pandering, plain and simple. Three generations gets a 3 out of 11. All right, let's get that bad taste out of our mouth, shall we? Let's talk about a better movie. Let's talk about a movie called The Lovers michael and mary have been married for a long time and start to fall out of love with each other they both have affairs and have plans to start lives with their lovers one day something reignites their passion for each other and they start a romance which they have to keep hidden from their lovers this stars tracy lots from elvis and nixon deborah winger from terms of endearment melora walters from magnolia and aiden gillen from game of thrones i really love this idea. It's like writer-director L Jacobs heard Escape by Rupert Holmes and wanted to make a movie about it, but he didn't just want it to be a blatant copy. This movie is a pessimist's modern-day love story. Growing up, I knew a lot of people who came from broken homes, and some of them were, because of the broken home they were from, were so convinced that love was a lie and that you get together with someone, have kids, get divorced, and then look for love elsewhere. It was really sad. But this seems like a realistic love story to to them. This movie was made to cater to people that still hold out some hope. The Lovers looks charming. It really does. It looks like it's a movie that starts out sad, but as the married couple falls back in love, things get happier. I can see their lovers reacting poorly to this, of course, so even though both of them were unfaithful and fell back in love, they won't get away that easy. There's still going to be consequences. They still have to break it to their lovers who will be hurt by this, even though they have no right to be hurt by this, because they knowingly got into a relationship with a married person. A24 Productions produced this movie and they're a major hub for indie films so I doubt this is going to get a huge release however this will get a wider release than other movies this week. Even though there's a huge movie coming out and this is the true start of blockbuster season this isn't a bad time for movies like this because older people and dirty hipsters and people who would not be interested in comic book movies and still want to go out to a theater will see this. Alright, you know, I would talk more about the movie festival circuit and what it means, but I don't know all that much. I know that some movies hit the circuit hoping to be picked up by a distributor, and other movies hit them just to get awards so they can put those little badges on their their posters, like, oh, editors pick at this festival, and least walked out of movie at this festival, and not a single person checked their watch here, like that this movie only hit two film festivals before getting a big release so either this was picked up almost right away or a24 just had to hit the circuit just for shiggles or maybe use the circuit as a test audience all right this is going to be an interesting romantic and oddly sobering movie to watch but it's best saved for another day no matter how much i want to see this no matter how much i will see this this is not going to be a movie to see in theaters the lovers Gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, future fans, all right. Let's move on to the next movie, which is called Lady Bloodfight. Jane wants to get trained so she can take part in the legendary fighting tournament, the Kumite. Let's reboot Bloodsport with an all-female cast. That's a great idea. Okay, that's actually not a bad idea. In this age of endless reboots, why not do a reboot for a classic action movie that shows how much women kick in? just do a better job than the next karate kid did but alas alas poor yorick it is not that easy they picked a director with almost no experience 16 years in the business and only six movies to his name and a star amy johnson no 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 not amy joe johnson don't get your hopes up amy johnson who has had a lot of experience but is about as believable and relatable as a brick wall ronda rousey gave a better performance in the entourage movie the whole thing looks so phoned in and boring. A martial arts movie like this shouldn't look boring, but I have the feeling that if I watch this at home, I'd be checking my phone every few minutes, or even just lurking on Reddit or Imgur instead of paying attention. Sometimes movies without big stars can surprise you. This happens. And I'm sorry to say that it doesn't look like this is that kind of movie. The most interesting part about this movie is the idea of an all-female cast of martial artists who kick a**. That's badass. I like the idea, but now let's just handle it differently. This movie is not the way to do it. This movie has already failed. Lady Bloodfight gets a 2 out of 11. All right, folks, the next movie also has martial arts in it. This movie is called Enter the Warrior's Gate. Jack is a teenager who's great at video games, but not so great in the real world one day he's stolen away to a land much like his games take place in and must help save a princess and learn how to be a warrior i you not that's what the premise is this stars uriah shelton from girl meets world nini that's her name nini from flowers of war and dave batista from guardians of the galaxy this was written by Luke Besson and Robert Mark Kamen, the writers of The Fifth Element and The Taken series, and directed by Matthias Hoen, Hoen H-O-E-N-E, I believe that's how you say it, who did Cockneys vs. Zombies. I don't know much about the director, but the two writers, who've written some great movies, put their heads together and wrote a movie that's basically a love child of The Last Starfighter and Forbidden Kingdom. Good job, you guys. Re- really, really good job. Way to, way to stretch the limits of writing. This looks stupid but stupid enough that enough alcohol in your system would make it good make would make it watchable the people behind this should have worked on lady bloodfight instead because that was a better idea who had bad people working on it and put together a bad product they could have made lady bloodfight interesting This idea has been done a lot before. Okay, sure, maybe not in American cinema, but in media as a whole it has. When you take a look at books, TV, and cartoons into account, we've seen this about some nobody nerd who's only good at video games, somehow winds up saving the world, saving the princess, saving something. This story needed something else to stand out, but it doesn't have it, it's so common. The trailer hinted at fighting and cinematography that has a kung-fu movie feel to it, but I fear that they're going to focus too much on the American kid who can't fight and only have the badass fight scenes be a few and far in between with his friends and followers. This kid is going to have to think his way out of everything because in the end, that's what video games teach us, right to think yay lessons it's lesson time children but i bet you the kid is going to win the final battle because of some lesson he learned along the way while training with one of the people that's going to accompany him and he'll catch a bad guy off guard and he'll win i feel like i've seen this movie before because like i said it's such a cliche idea this had promise but somewhere along the line someone f- now we have this basic mess that may be fun, but it's best saved for a night that you want to watch something, but don't want to have to think. Enter the Warrior's Gate gives a 3.5 out of 11. All right, feature fans, we have one movie left before our break, and that movie is called Chuck. This movie is inspired by the true story of Chuck Wepner, the boxer who inspired Sylvester Stallone to write Rocky. This stars Leave Schreiber from Ray Donovan, Naomi Watts from Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men, and Ron Perlman from Hellboy. Now this movie was also known as The Bleeder, but rumor has it that they changed the name to Chuck. But some places I've looked up this movie on still call it The Bleeder, others call it Chuck, so if this movie interests you, just look out for both titles. I love boxing. Okay, that's a lie. I love boxing movies, I love boxing video games, I love boxing anime, and if I see boxing on TV, I'll watch it, I just won't go out and seek it. That's my, that's the level of interest I have in boxing. But this movie isn't really about boxing per se. This is about the life of Chuck Wepner and it seems to focus on his life after Rocky. He was really famous at one point and seemed to have it all and then he blinked and it all went away will this be a movie of triumph where he ultimately reclaims his fame or will this be a movie of personal growth where he realizes that he's already had the spotlight and time to focus on family i don't know his story so i don't have this movie spoiled for me what path the movie is going to take and where it ultimately ends up is really hard to say from the trailer alone and i'm glad because this is what a trailer should be it tells us what the basic premise is, it doesn't show us any scenes that are obviously huge parts of the plot, and it gives us enough to look forward to. Wepner's fighting style in the trailer reminds me a bit of Arturo Gatti, who was famous for blocking punches with his face. Wepner was known for being able to take a beating, and guess who was also known for being able to take a beating? Rocky Balboa. Remember, folks, movies like this are considered period pieces because it's set in a different time and the sets, props, and everything else show it. This is going to be a well-acted movie that looks fun and that may also have a nice message to go along with it. This was co-written by Leave Schreiber, so hopefully he knows how to play on his strengths. This is a great idea for a biopic that looks like it's going to be best enjoyed at home because let's face it, if you're going to the theater this week, you're not seeing this. I know I said earlier that there are people who would want to go see other movies than the big ones, than summer blockbusters, but I truly believe that people who don't want to see the summer blockbusters also wouldn't want to listen to my show. But if you are that type, if you do not like the summer blockbusters, and you like seeing smaller movies like this, and you still listen to the show, let me know. Speak out. Let your voice be heard. But let's wrap this up. The Bleeder, aka Chuck, gets an eight out of 11. And with that, my friends, it is the halfway mark in this week's show. So please stay tuned for a word from our friends at both Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on nerdy.com Good journey, nerds. All right, welcome back. My drink is refreshed, and thus, I am refreshed. Let's go into the second half full of vigor and outstanding levels of inebriation. Ladies and gentlemen, the next movie on the list this week is called Risk. Based off the classic board game, this tells a story of four generals competing for world domination. This stars Nicholas Holt, Maggie Q, and I'm Kidding. This is a documentary that follows the wanted man Julian Assange, the editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks. But god, that other movie would be so much better. I would watch that. You know, Battleship? Battleship was a stupid movie. It was so stupid, but I, I truly enjoyed myself. And I would watch a movie based off Risk. But let, let's talk about this movie, which is also called Risk. This is supposed to be a documentary about one of the most notorious people in our modern world. This should be a provocative documentary that looks really intriguing, but it doesn't. This looks boring. This comes to us from Lara Poitras, who is some super liberal director and producer who's always working on some project, be it about Assange, Snowden, Trump, or the Iraq War. And in case anyone's new and wondering, if it sounded like I said liberal, dripping venom, I will talk about Republicans or conservatives dripping just as much venom. So please understand, I, I hate all political parties equally. J- just just want to make that clear. I wouldn't be surprised if she was also working right now on a documentary about Steve Bannon or how the DNC stonewalled Sanders so Clinton could take the nomination, blah, blah, blah. But that's enough talk about politics. I just want to give you an idea of the kind of shit she does. It's not necessarily bad, but this movie, this movie looks bad. So let's talk about this movie. I'm having a hard time finding much to say. So check out the trailer. Maybe you'll see what I saw. Maybe you'll see something different. If you see something different, let me know. Let me know what you saw in this. This could have been very interesting and very challenging, but what they ended up making was the visual equivalent to Ambien. The trailer makes this look boring and actually borders on conspiracy level There's this line in the trailer when she says, and when I got back to my hotel room, the door was open. I had to ask myself, did I leave the door open or am I being followed? You left the door open, you dumb b-. Don't bother with this movie. It, it could have been so interesting. And I think that's what really angers me the most. Is that I want to know the full true story of Julian Assange about Edward Snowden. I, I want to know. But everything that's come out so far has seemed so skewed. Has seemed so overproduced that i don't trust it this documentary this looks like garbage so what you should do if this interests you at all if this topic interests you at all is wait for it to come out and then wait for reviews just to see just to see if this is a case of a bad trailer or if this really is a garbage documentary risk gets a two out of eleven we have one more documentary this week and that movie is called mr chibs This is a documentary that follows former professional basketball player Kenny Anderson as he builds his life back after dealing with his mother's death, alcoholism, and multiple infidelities. You know, this one looks good. This is how you do a documentary, my friends. The trailer did a great job of setting up the movie and telling us what to expect. I think the Risk trailer tried a bit too hard to be artsy, but this one, this one was honest. This is about a man who had it all. He was a basketball prodigy who lost everything and is now trying to put his life back together. The trailer uses the buzzword raw, and I have to say, as much as I hate buzzwords, it fits. This is going to be an emotional movie. We're gonna watch this guy, who used to be one of the best point guards basketball has ever seen, take steps to have a better life and make up for his wrongs. We're going to see the human side of not only a professional athlete, but someone who has hit bottom. If you are familiar with Kenny Anderson, you love anything to do with basketball, or stories like this resonate with you, then you should definitely watch this movie. It looks well shot and well presented and doesn't have some obviously forced narrative. If you want to check this out, do it, but do it at home. I doubt this is gonna get a wide release. It's probably gonna be really limited. And even if it was wide, it's best to save for rental or purchase. This movie actually comes out on May 3rd, not the 5th. Mr. Chibs gets a five out of 11. And the next movie, before the obvious pick, is called The Dinner. Four adults meet for dinner to discuss the future of their children who have committed a horrible crime. The question on the table is, should they turn their children in or help them keep their secret? This stars Richard Gere from Hachi, Laura Linney from Genius, Steve Coogan from The Trip, Rebecca Hall from The Town, and Chloe Sevigny from Big Love. Okay, this looks really good. A drama about a group of parents who know their children have committed a heinous crime, but have the chance to let them get away with it, to have their futures not ruined by it. Richard Gere plays a senator or some sort of politician, so that adds a whole new angle to things. This is a dark movie, and not just because it involves murder, but a lot of it is shot at night. Or indoors, without a lot of natural light. So thus, dark. This, of course, is going to add to the serious and grim tone of the movie. This isn't going to be an easy choice for the parents, and writer-director Oren Moverman and the man behind I'm Not There and Love and Mercy picked some great actors to be in this film. I'm actually most excited for Steve Coogan because I'm used to him in comedic roles, and I can't wait for him in this drama. Comedic actors do great jobs in dramas. Remember Robin Williams in One Hour Photo or Insomnia? How about Jim Carrey in the number 23? Steve Carell started doing dramas and never looked back. Comedy actors can do a fantastic job in dramatic roles. They just need a chance. Steve Coogan has done some before, but they've all been across the pond and not as easy to get over here. I really like how this isn't your typical plot. The kids aren't the focus. It's about how their parents react and what their parents are gonna do. Their parents have the chance to do the right thing and turn their kids in and get them some help before it's too late. Or to protect their kids and keep their secret. I just rewatched the trailer again. I, I paused really quick, rewatched the trailer, because it wasn't that fresh in my mind anymore. And now I realize a bit more. First, Richard Gere plays a congressman who's running for governor. So, since he's currently running for office, people are going to be picking through everything they can find of him and this could come up. What the kids did may actually be arson that costs someone their life. And Gear is leaning towards turning the kids in because he says what would become of them if we let them get away with this. And the other parents are leaning towards protecting the children, saying, no, let's not let the the powers that be take them away. This is set up to be a really good and really intense drama that is going to be a good watch. But at home, like I've said a lot this week, at home home because remember friends this is the beginning of blockbuster season and the theater time is best spent watching something fun and flashy that will truly take advantage of the big screen of the surround sound this may be a great movie but it's not going to be worth the theater trip when you have the next movie that we all know is coming up the dinner gets an eight out of eleven all right friends we, we we all know what my pick is so let's just get on with it. My pick of the week, and the movie you need to watch this weekend, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Set to the backdrop of awesome mixtape number 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 continues the team's adventure as they unravel a mystery of Peter Quill's true parentage. The minds behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe are geniuses, and here's why. I believe it was Critter who said it uh, before on probably both the somewhat nerdy radio podcasts and the Watch Your Mouth podcast. But before Iron Man, before the movie Iron Man, who the hell was he? He was a tier two, maybe even tier three hero. The Avengers? Who the were they? Ant-Man? Black Panther? Scarlet Witch? Hawkeye? Who? No one besides true comic nerds knew who they were. I was a DC fan growing up, and the only Marvel I knew was X Men and Spider Man. That was it. So when these movies were coming out, I'm like, oh, Iron Man, I'm, I'm familiar with him. As in, I've heard of him once. So the Marvel Cinematic Universe turned these nobodies into household names. Now here we are with the long awaited and highly anticipated sequel to 2014's hit Guardians of the Galaxy, another group of nobodies at the marvel cinematic universe turned into household names none of the guardians we know were in the original guardians of the galaxy the only person in the movies or that's going to be in this movie that was an original guardian was yondu that's it. But you but you know comic books. So one storyline goes on for a while and they're like, okay, we're just going to do whatever the hell we want. They start another storyline. Here's another group. You thought this person was dead? Just kidding. The only people who stayed dead in comic books are Bruce Wayne's parents and Uncle Ben. That's it. It's just a matter of time before we bring Wolverine back because how the hell will we function without him? All right. Quick side note. I I just rewatched the skit. It's fresh in my mind. If you've never seen any of the Pete Holmes skits, X-Men, like EX-Men, where he plays Professor X firing the X-Men, they are hilarious. I'm going to link my favorite one, which is the Wolverine one in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Check it out. It's fantastic. But my friends, guess what this is? Guess what this is right now? This is a movie podcast. That is right. You're here to talk about movies. Let's get back on track. Alright, early rumblings about this movie say that it's not going to be as good as the first one, but of course, I think that that's part of just being the second movie. I know that every time people bring up the fact that there's this curse about sequels, about the second movie in a trilogy not being very good, they bring up, oh, what about Empire? What about Godfather 2? What about all these things? Yes, yes, they're examples. Shut up. But what you also have to understand is that when a movie is as big as Guardians of the Galaxy was, As the Avengers was, as lots of these movies are, the hype and the expectations for the second one are really big. And so you take that in with you to the movies. I consider myself a professional, and I have a hard time doing that. Also, this is leading up to Infinity Wars, but it's not going to be directly related in the sense that this is going to have Thanos as a main bad guy at all. I bet you they're going to mention Thanos just because of Grimora and, and Nebula. But the main guy, the main bad guy isn't him. So this is all just to tide us over to get us to know these characters better until Infinity Wars happens, where we get in Avengers Infinity Wars and Guardians Infinity Wars. So then the Marvel Universe can say, hey, see, this is what we we're building up to. Did you not like that one movie? Well, well here's, here's the final... Here's the final picture, here's the final thing, this is what we are building up to this whole time, you're welcome. But still, they wanted to do another movie, this is it, and I still think this looks good. Because guess what, the Guardians of the Galaxy aren't the X-Men, they aren't the Fantastic Four, they aren't the Justice League that we know already, that a lot of us know already, that are really popular despite any movie failures. It's like with the new Spider-Man movie coming up. Do we need another origin story where they mention Uncle Ben? No. Do we need to learn more about the Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. The first movie was setting them up As a team like here are all your characters here's how they meet this is this is them taking down their first big bad guy there you go this one they're already a team so this is gonna be a team building exercise they're going to do trust falls and play games to telephone it's gonna be a grand old time they're gonna get two more people into the group they're going to get yondu they're gonna get mantis and I think they have nebula just hanging around So for any Doctor Who fans out there, we're going to have an unrecognizable Amy Pond just wandering around the whole time. What really gets me excited about this is that this is filled with fantastic actors, and Dave Bautista's there too. Okay, I jest, but he did a really, really good job in the last movie. I was really pleased with how he handled it. Because his character, his character who is famous for not being able to understand jokes and stuff like that, who takes everything too literally, could have been played very poorly. I mean, it seems easy. Like, you just don't get a joke and you say the line, but you still need timing, which he had. But now in this movie, we have new characters being introduced. We have Kurt Russell's ego, who, I swear to God ego is a sentient planet what the is he doing kurt russell size and how the hell is he star lord's father if any of you know why like was ego ever like person-sized hit me up in the comments let me know what's up and sylvester stallone is in this movie and reportedly sylvester stallone did so well in this that the executives were so impressed with him that they want him in other marvel movies you may have noticed i skipped the part of who's in this it's because you know you know who's in this and if you don't know who's in this then you might be fast-forwarding this part anyway because you don't want to hear me gush all over guardians of the galaxy volume 2. this movie at least volume 1 of this this series should have been proof to any naysayers out there that marvel knows what they're doing because no one knew who the guardians of the galaxy were except for extreme marvel nerds i had heard their name before i had heard the name guardians of the galaxy but that was it that is all i knew they took these nobody characters and put together a great a truly wonderful movie and it looks like they're going to do it again is this movie going to be as good as the first one probably not but it's going to be up there it's going to be maybe maybe a step down if not on the same level as the first one It's just you have to check yourself before you go into the theater and wreck yourself. Because if you go in there holding on to number one so much and expecting them to take it a step up, then maybe you're going to disappoint yourself. You should go in there to watch it as a movie. Just as as a movie on its own. And you may love it. Expectations can ruin movies. A lot of people didn't like Jurassic World. We're, we're keeping on the theme of Chris Pratt here. A lot of people didn't like Jurassic World, but I think that's because it was hyped so much. So when you go into this movie, just realize I liked Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I want to see more of that, and you'll be fine. Okay, but I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question. I want an honest answer from, from the listeners. It, unless I am wrong, at the end of the first one, when Star-Lord finds the mixtape Volume 2, And he puts it in. So getting ready to fly away, he puts it in and presses play. And Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell start playing. But that was supposed to be Volume 2, right? However, it was on Volume 1 if you bought Volume 1 like I did. And then looking at the soundtrack for Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is supposed to be Awesome Mixed Volume 2, this song is nowhere on it. Am I being an angry, irrational nerd right now? Yes. Yes, I am. Well, so let's get off this topic. Let's get off this topic and get back onto the movie at hand. And let's still talk about music because music is a big part of these movies. Just because this is how, music is how Star-Lord connects to his mother. But more important than that is how the music gets us pumped. Do you remember the trailers for Logan and that Way Down We Go song and how it just The the beat and the way they matched the scenes up with the beat just got you all riled up for the movie. Guardians of the Galaxy is the same way. Even to this day, even though I knew about the songs on Awesome Mix Volume One before the movie came out, I still now think of the movie whenever whenever I hear the songs, just because it's it's ingrained in me now. So when watching the trailer for the or trailer three for this movie when they use the chain by Fleetwood Mac off their album Rumours a song, a song I'm already familiar with now whenever i hear it now whenever it pops up on random on my on my computer when i'm listening to music i think of i think of Guardians of the Galaxy all right all right all right enough about music let me just talk about the movie a little bit and then we'll wrap this up We'll wrap up this episode of Future Flicks. This one looks really good. The story looks just as big and impressive as before. These are reliable actors. They know their role. You already know if you like them. And if you're on the fence about this, I urge you to go see it just because that with this one, they'll know the characters better. They'll be able to come into it going, hey, I know who Star-Lord is. I know who Drax, who Groot, who Rocket, who Grimora, Nebula, uh, who all of these people are so we can just jump right into it, when instead it was Discovery before. And if you're already a fan of this movie, which you should be, because it was a truly wonderful movie, think you're ready for this one. And this shouldn't just be a movie that tides you over until Infinity Wars starts, because this movie is going to be good. Just remember, go into this wanting to see a good movie. Don't expect them to up the ante a million times and, be, and just become out disappointed. You're gonna see a good story, with good actors playing familiar characters. We're gonna see Gramora. Apparently, we're gonna see Gramora have a bigger role because last time she was the smallest character out of them. Everyone got more development than her. So apparently this one's going to start her development that goes into Infinity War. We're gonna see more of Nebula. We're gonna be see we're gonna be seeing more of Yandu. So we're gonna see a more well-rounded movie this time. So this is my pick of the week. This is the movie I want to see. I am seeing this on Friday. And I am going to make a promise that I will either write a review for somewhat nerdy or I will record a podcast, a one shot podcast for it. We will see. I will do one of the two. How did this part go? Please let me know. I know I'm telling you or asking you to let me know a lot of things this week, but this part, the Guardians of the Galaxy part, was done with no notes. Normally when I do the show, I make show notes and then I go off the notes. And sometimes I say when I'm watching a trailer, I'll talk to myself and I'll type down what I say just so I can say it here. But this time with Guardians of the Galaxy, it was 100% off the top of my head. So tell me, please tell me how it worked. And here is my score for Guardians of the Galaxy Two. But well, let's make it official that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two gets an eleven out of eleven. All right, my friends. Well, that's it for this week. Welcome to the start of Blockbuster season. Technically, kind of started last week or a couple of weeks ago. I mean, with Fate of the Furious, but there was that lull in between that and now. But now is when every week is going to be something big. So we are we are in it now. So I hope you like going to the movies because there's going to be something to see each and every week. You know all right, so I've decided I want to interact more with you, with more with the listeners. Even if I get one response, that'd be great. you know, Because I, I do get people responding to my podcast. I've had friends from Somewhat Nerdy and Watch Your Mouth and Uncork Gamers respond. I've had actually a few listeners from the Watch Your Mouth podcast come over and leave some comments. So th- thank you if, if you came over from there. But I want to start interacting a bit more. So I'm going to steal something from <laughs> the Uncork Gamers. Or hey, they have a question of the week. So you can answer this question on any of the ways I will tell you about in the housekeeping, like in the comments section on the Facebook page, the somewhat nerdy Facebook page that is on Twitter or email me. Just let me know. Here's a question of the week. Now that summer blockbuster season has started, please tell me which movie, which coming movie during this season are you most looking forward to? I will give you my answer next week when I read off your answers. If anyone responds, this new segment will always be at the end of the show and right before the housekeeping you can listen to this quality programming on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play youtube and tumblr and any podcast listening app as well as a somewhat nerdy website that's www.somewhatnerdy.com i'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give this podcast a rating on itunes i would love five stars And leave a comment too. Tell me what you thought. Tell me what you loved. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. And how do you reach me and answer this week's question? That is a great question. Leave a comment for me on this Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Are you on Instagram? I am BilliamSWN. On Tumblr, BilliamSWN there as well. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, a great swearity who has now started their ninth season. Or semester, I'm sorry, the ninth semester. Be sure to also subscribe to the Uncourt Gamers, a weekly video game podcast that I myself will, at from time to time, guest star on. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.